is Honey, the podcast. Hey guys. Hello. We're back. We're back. With another episode of the Sweetest Honey Podcast. Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. I know how much Allison has truly missed me doing that in the beginning of everything. She loves it. It's her favorite. I it think that I remember <laughs> you telling me that you would like for me to wake you up that way. Um, sure. Well, I mean... In your defense, there's a lot of things that I'm misremembering lately. (laughs) Yeah, I don't remember that, but uh, my memory is usually terrible all the time anyway, so. Fair enough. Anyway, Uh, so what's new with you, Hunnikins? Well, I mean, therapy. Therapy. I had a therapy appointment earlier today, and uh, yeah, yeah, your boy has got some (laughs) some fun stuff going on. Yeah. So that's a that's a good time, but it's definitely area of opportunity, something to work on. Um, yeah, we got an action plan, so I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, I know you like plans. I do. And lists. My therapist knows that she is just like, ooh, a planner with lots of different things for goals. I know exactly who would love this. Yes. Yes. Um, so that's been a new thing. Uh, just overall, just trying to get back into the swing of. Some kind of normal little insomnia has been new. That's been a mm. lot of fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll go to sleep, <laughs> you know, like a normal grandma, 8, 9 o'clock. Uh, no, it's been like 10, 11 o'clock lately. And uh, you'll just be up for <laughs> apparently hours. Until about <laughs> 2, 3, 4. Yeah, all of your best ideas. <laughs> She'll wake, up, wake me up in the morning and be like, I have this idea. <laughs> so while you were asleep, I did all of these things. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> See, that was how we got our Reddit honeybees and... All of the menu for when we start to cook and do meal prep. True. <laughs> I do my best meal prep ideas and Pinteresting at 2 a.m. apparently. So mm. that's been a lot of fun. What's yeah. new with you? Um, I went to Panama City, Florida for a work trip. Without me? Uh, I did try to get you to go with me, but it ended up being last minute and uh, we didn't want to uh, try to... F- Find, find somebody that quickly to to sit watch all 47 of our dogs yeah. there's only four of them but it seems like a lot more yeah uh so no you didn't end up getting to go with me but you cleaned everything yeah. which is what you do when i leave apparently like i come back and things are rearranged and like this time they weren't rearranged which was surprising uh but like they're just sparkling clean like you could lick the floor clean yeah. um so that's always fun for me because i don't like cleaning anyway so um <laughs> so i did that uh it has like rained and rained and rained and rained and then rain some more here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much so that my parents' basement flooded. And uh, <laughs> my parents, y'all, they they old. So, yeah. like, early 70s. And my dad, bless him, was trying to shop back up the water and slipped and fell flat on his forehead. Mm. And so my mom called right after, like, all of these tornado warnings ended and was like, is y'all storm done? Okay, good. Can you come to the house? <laughs> Uh, your dad has, uh, busted his head open and, uh, our basement is flooded and I can't do two things at once. So, so off we went and it was, it was a, not a fun time. It was the best time of my life personally. Now I've had 
the time of my life. I was hoping you would finish it. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, we did that. That was a fun time. Uh, and, you know, the normal things of being a dog parent. A little assholes. They always interrupt. Somebody about to get their ass beat. That's what I <laughs> you know. You can stay and get your ass beat. Or... You can stay and get your ass beat. I mean, pick one. It's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we did that. Oh, and to, and and we got to um, spend some time with my niece, who is actually three years older than me. So. I never know how to describe my relationship with this person because it feels very cheap to just be like my friend. My niece friend. But my niece. But I'm just like also my, my like wife's she is niece. a full grown whole ass adult. She so is. that feels inappropriate. She is. We grew up together. <laughs> like it felt more like we were cousins or mm-hmm. even siblings sometimes yeah. uh, just because of our age. So yeah. Uh, it's cool to be able to have that friendship as adults and hang out. Yeah. You know? So I'm glad that y'all have formed a friendship too. I think that's yeah, special. She's so freaking sweet and yeah. beautiful and smart. Like Yeah, ridiculously smart. I just really, and she has procreated and her offspring is, they're beautiful smart little Smart and talented and anyway. <sighs> and her spouse is. Smart and talented. And beautiful. And, they're just really beautiful, pretty sweet kind people and i really enjoy her company so it was nice to spend some time with her yeah and i got i got some boba tea from my favorite japanese lady at our our restaurant she is so so sweet sweet. (laughs) she finally i finally got to introduce you to her because she knows me by by my voice over the phone now Mm -hmm. and knows my name um but she calls me miss Allie, which Mm -hmm. is so funny and she's so sweet anyway she's so precious she is. It's all. I always get warm and fuzzies after interacting with her. And she's so. an older Asian lady. Yeah. And when we went in today, she was like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. And then she was like, you have a really sweet... And she just gestured toward Allison. You have a good one, a is good what she one. said. Yeah, and she just gestured toward Allison, and I just thought it was really, really sweet. Because she was Meanwhile. like, she is yours, oh. I get it, she is great, and she's so sweet, and it was really, really, really sweet. We love that lady. Always and she makes really great. The best fucking tea. <laughs> bubble tea, it's so good. Oh my god. All right, so... Here's an interesting thing that I did because, you know, that? I love the Internet. Right. So the other day I was on Instagram and this was a little bit of time ago. Naturally. And this particular account that I follow was just like mostly like I would say like 95 percent like uplifting, talking about really positive black culture things and you know just positive things that happen in black culture uh-huh. popular you is it okay the same for me account. to say the name of it no okay so it's really cool we like it yeah cool fine whatever so a while ago they had a post and the post has a picture of a black man and a white woman i don't know how they got this picture or why they have this picture i believe that the man in the picture is married and the woman in the picture is actually a lesbian but i think that it was just the first thing that they typed up when they typed interracial whatever and it just says can you be pro-black and still date outside your race hmm and of course, you know, I mean, that kind of struck a chord. I was like, "Ooh, I wonder the way that other black people are responding to mm-hmm. this particular post. And, you know, there's close to 2000 comments. And, you know, there's almost 9000 likes on this post. And some of the comments read as follows. <clears throat> some of the comments are as follows. Now, these are just the ones that say, no, you cannot be pro-black. Like oh, okay. these are just examples of people that feel very adverse to this. 
Um, There's a really long one that says you absolutely cannot be pro-black and date outside your race. Hmm. Pro-black promotes, uplifts, invests in, and contributes to the betterment of black people as a whole. It has nothing to do with Europeans outside of not blocking the flow of resources to be purchased, harvested, traded, mined, bought, and sold amongst black people. The black family is a nucleus of the black community and serves as an example to all of what black power really is. Has nothing to do with emotions. Who you love is a choice, just like every other decision you make in life. Another one reads, nope. Nope. Another one says, I'm pro-black. I would not date outside my race. I date black boys, not white boys with a little green sick emoji. (laughs) No with a capital N. How in blue blazes does this better our black society? Integration has not benefited blacks yet. It never freaking will. Someone says, fuck, no. And then just an edit here. Fuck is spelled F-U-K. Just in case that's helpful for you. All black people that say yes, you need to do some research. Y'all too old to be lost like this. Mm. Someone else says, going off historical evidence, white people aren't to be trusted. If you want to be with them, that's your choice, but you can't negate the facts. If you feel more comfortable with a white person more than your own race, not you specifically, speaking generally, then there's other issues going on. So, babe, what do you think about that? I mean, I don't know that... Like, am I allowed to have an opinion on that? Like, I feel like it's not my place to opine. But just in general, hearing those responses, what does it make you, what feeling does it evoke in you? Disappointment and a little sadness. Can you say more um, about that? Because, like, I don't think that by you being married to me that it makes you any less black. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I feel like you have helped enlighten me as far as what it means to be a black person or a person of color in general mm-hmm. uh like so much uh being in a relationship with you like i feel so much more aware of uh the people of people of color around me mm-hmm. and making sure that um they are tr- they feel like and are treated as my equal mm-hmm. because we y- y'all are mm-hmm. and uh so it, I mean, I understand where their sentiment comes from mm-hmm. because they're not wrong. White people have fucked up people of color for as long as humans have been on this earth. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just makes me sad that it's a generalization mm-hmm. uh, that I don't feel like I fit in. Yeah. And my own relationship with my blackness is kind of like, I don't want to call it like an area of contention or like a point of contention or anything like that, but it's complicated, right? How so? So y'all hear how my voice sounds, right? Like Mm -hmm. this is how I've always sounded. I've always been labeled as the white girl. I've always really liked pop music. I really liked Britney Spears growing up and the Spice Girls and you know, the Backstreet Boys and all these different things. I really like rock music. Like I love most genres of music, but if you were to flip, well, shit, I don't know what my playlist and stuff looks like now, but there's no fucking telling. (laughs) (laughs) There's no telling. Like if I hit shuffle on my phone right now, there's no telling what you would hear. Your playlist is so eclectic. It's so random, right? So I'm used to kind of even feeling cast out by other black people because of Hmm. that. I never quite feel like I fit in with other black people that were around me growing up. I just didn't. And then there would be like, you know, like 
I've been called it all like white girl, Oreo, a poser at one point in time. See, I'm not sure why, but that's just what that's been for me. So hearing things like that, it doesn't really surprise me because I've always kind of felt like a a black sheep. Yeah. (laughs) Pun intended. (laughs) But like a black sheep within the black community, but also like... It doesn't really surprise me that people feel that way to the extent that it does. It didn't surprise anybody that I was married to a white person. Right. I think that that was always kind of everybody's expectation. Mm. Something about white people and the white people that I've had in my life where there were expectations, I feel like, to perform Mm. for me with other black people. Because you can turn on a code switch and say words differently and to speak differently and to, you know, if you've got friends in the car you might have a playlist that caters more to those friends or you know what I'm saying instead of it just being what you would usually listen to when you were alone it's a different side of yourself that would be there so my relationship with my blackness is a little bit complicated because no matter the way that other black people see me I'm still black. I mean, I can't wash the black off my skin. That's the way that I present. I'm never going to bleach my skin, try to lighten it. I've never tried to be white or anything else. Um, You know, if I want to braid my hair, I'll braid my hair. If I want to straighten my hair, I'll straighten my hair. If I want to wear something, you know, the style of clothes that I wore was not always necessarily what the other black kids would have worn. The shoes that I liked weren't always what the other black kids would have liked. The type of books that I read, just the media in general that I would take in. So I've always kind of felt like it that like there wasn't always a distinct place for me in Hmm. the black community so this is not really that surprising for me see in uh that takes me the sentiments that you have about that take me to the show blackish um because i know that a lot of um biracial people have expressed that same thing Mm -hmm. uh not feeling like they fit in in either way or the other yeah Mm -hmm. and uh i don't know like i just I just want everybody to get along and love everybody. And that's my ultimate goal. And I know that it's it doesn't work that way. In. Oh, I know. I know. It's I not know. the world we live in. It's not a, this, it's just not. You can cultivate that like in your own circle, but just in the world beyond what you can control, it's not reality. I mean, like even just logging onto the internet, like even your Instagram feed where they'll have really funny memes and stuff about, you know, Beyonce's husband. Cause they never call Jay-Z by name. I think that's hilarious. But, you know, like things like that, it's not really (laughs) anything that you can control. So I think that's really, really interesting. Um, I I, I don't know. Like it was just kind of like a weird thing because we're also for me, like I'm in like a multi it's like a multicultural thing because Mm. it's like the black part of me and like the woman part of me and the queer part of me. Mm. So then you've got like white queers and you know hispanic queers and you know all these different subcategories of people because we all kind of function differently so even the way that i saw black lesbians growing up was very different from what i saw now because i'm super feminine presenting and very girly and i don't feel like i have to alter or change my appearance or behave a certain way because of my sexuality but growing up like i didn't know of any other lesbians that look like me or any you know i mean they were all like probably athletic and played basketball or volleyball or you know they had like locks that were really really long yeah it wasn't something that was spoken about but it was always assumed Mm -hmm. you know they had 
like a look about them in the same way that I think about like white lesbians because you know like growing up in the 90s and 2000s the white lesbians had buzz cuts and ugly frosted tips like the boy bands and wife beaters or you know (laughs) polo shirts and cargo khaki pants i feel like i would have been that lesbian in the 90s minus ugly ass friggin tribal barbell (laughs) bicep tattoos as a kid i always wanted one of those so ugly (laughs) it was so cringy like it was so cringy i'm so glad that like a 12 year old me couldn't get a tattoo so terrible i'd still be sad about it today uh, you know, and the only reason I even follow that uh, Instagram account is because I want to gain more perspective mm-hmm. about black culture. Yeah. Um, because there are times when you say things and I'm like, wait, what? And like, you have to sit <laughs> there. And it, that's see, And I feel like uh, that that might have been me. So. <laughs> So I just want to gain as much knowledge about black culture or people of color in general Mm -hmm. so that I can be a better ally. Mm -hmm. If you had to describe like your culture before being in our relationship, because I know you've dated outside of your race Mm -hmm. a lot, but I still feel like it was kind of like white culture adjacent. Right. Yeah. Like still pretty white culture adjacent, maybe with like a little tahine for like flavor, but like how would you describe like your culture in general uh so white mm. uh <laughs> uh monochromatic no um religious mm-hmm. uh southern mm-hmm. um musical uh i think that's can you say more about the southern the, the southern, southern part bit? yeah um yeah People in the South uh, are so polite to your face. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just an expectation of how you're supposed to carry yourself okay. as a... Um, like on our <laughs> on my dating profile, when you and I first met, it said that I was, my mama raised me as a true Southern, Southern gentleman. gentleman mm-hmm. And uh, so like I would open the doors for you and still try to do that. And you do the same for me. But like it's just... The expectation of politeness and manners that mm-hmm. you're supposed to have. Okay. Um, and I think that's the mentality of when I talk about Southern. I mean, shit, I went to a high school where our mascot was the Rebels. Mm-hmm. And up until my senior year, people showed up to football games with the Confederate flag on display because the mascot was the Rebels in a Confederate uniform. Like, mm-hmm. A shame. Truly problematic. And, and but the 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 worst part about it is is I did not realize how terrible it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't it was the culture. I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know. And like looking back, I like cringe thinking that I could have hurt someone of color by having that anywhere in near the vicinity of me. I never carried that flag around mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, but I know that it was on, you know, several T-shirts that are high school designed mm-hmm. and sold. Like, yeah. <laughs> why is that still a thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was like early 2000s, but still. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's still like I still feel so guilty just thinking about that mm-hmm. and disappointed. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So. Okay. And the way that I would describe, like, my culture was very... 
<laughs> it's like different parts, right? So I have like my like social self and then like my like family nucleus. Mm-hmm. And like in my family, it was a lot of like black staples, you know, like when you think about the types of churches that we went to and like what you understand a black church to be, those are the churches that I went to growing up. Mm. When you think about... um the type of food that we ate, you know, we did eat a lot of like comfort food or soul food or whatever growing up. That was, you know, just an integral part of what happened with us. Um, I didn't really see a whole lot of interracial dating. You know, my dad, I've never known my dad to date outside of his race. I've never known my mom to date outside of hers. My grandmother, like she stepped out when she got a little bit older. Like Uh I was well into like my late teens, maybe like my late teens, well, mid to late teens at this point. And, you know, she dated a white guy for a while, but, you know, she was also the person that'll go around and like adopt people. And all of a sudden there's a random person that you're calling aunt somebody and they're Ah. white and it's not really a big deal. So I think that I get a little bit more of that from her Mm -hmm. and, you know, from her influence or whatever. Now, my dad's mom um, was married to a Puerto Rican man for a long time. So maybe that was why, like growing up, I mean, I was still like a really, really, really small child. So Hmm. maybe that's kind of where the Spanish kind of stuck around, stuck around in my brain a little bit. And my, uh, you know, feeling so drawn to that and wanting to be a part of that, even though Mm. he was Puerto Rican and a lot of my experience has been more geared toward more like the Mexican culture and stuff like that. You know, it was still something that even as a young child, I was very drawn to and interested in. So, you know, it was like little bits and pieces of that, but still like even my father's sister, I've never known her to date outside of her race. Mm -hmm. So it was just kind of like this one person that my paternal grandmother was married to. And then it was just black men after that, if I met them at all. Yeah. Dad's never dated out, you know, besides my mom. Yeah. Never dated anybody else that I know of. Mom's never. Mm-mm. Gammy kind of dabbled. Pop up. Oh, my gosh. My grandfather would have never would have. So not really super close with other family, but having lots of cousins. Yeah. We did go to cookouts and, <laughs> you know, yeah. do things like that. You know, the type of music that we listen to that my family listened to. I introduced my family to a lot of other music you know that wasn't just r&b or hip-hop or you know just you know like groovy 70s 80s music whatever it was more of like the pop genre Hmm. and different things so that was me introducing them to those things whereas i feel like my brother still keep a lot keeps a lot of things like more like black centric i gotcha where he likes a lot of hip-hop and rap and you know just more black culture but i never enjoyed like All of like the black movies that everybody say that like they'll take your black court card if you had. I didn't really grow up playing Uno with my family. It might have been introduced to me through a friend. Uh Never played like spades and stuff like that was something that we just did like at school. But I never remember playing spades and stuff like that with my family members. So just the different ways that. (laughs) See, and Mm -hmm. that's so weird to me because like. I grew up with my family always playing spades. Mm-hmm. I've also learned that white people and black people spades different. Not the same. Totally different. Yeah. Did not know that till we played <laughs> spades with um two black friends of ours and I was like Yeah, we was just wait, like we what? need to take out the twos, find a big joker, the little joker, which deuces are wild, whatever. And they were just like, Wait, what? <laughs> then I was inebriated on top of that, so I fucked it up like in the first round, and then we stopped playing after that and I was like, Okay, well um but we always like we always played card games, Uno, all mm-hmm. also of that kind of stuff but i can definitely relate to you on um you know your family not like your your grandfather not dating out outside of his mm-hmm. race like my fam i cannot think of a single person in my family mm-hmm. who dated a black person mm-hmm. uh and just like your grandfather never would have like 
my grandfather was one on one side was apparently extremely racist Mm -hmm. didn't know he died when i was really young Mm -hmm. uh but my sister had uh in high school her best friend was a black guy Mm -hmm. big black guy Mm -hmm. and uh my apparently my grandparents were really afraid that they were gonna get married Mm -hmm. and had such an adverse reaction to him and like even my parents like weren't sure how to act Mm -hmm. uh and I wish y'all could see my body movements because, like, if you think of like the most awkward thing that you could possibly be doing, that's what I'm doing that's with what my she's arms. Doing with her. Uh, it's cute. So I can definitely <laughs> relate to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you you mentioned socially, right? Mm-hmm. Like in elementary school, I had two of my really good friends growing up in elementary school were black kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them, her name was Tequila. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And looking back on that, that makes me giggle so hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the other was Ashley. And, like, I would go over to their house. And Tequila gave me chicken pox. And, uh... Oh, shit. Damn, (laughs) Tequila. I know, right? (laughs) She gave me shots. So, uh... I mean, like, and... I didn't really think about it as a kid. But, Mm -hmm. like, as I got older, the less interaction I had with black people. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I and it's weird because it almost feels like you can control it a little bit more the older your kids get yeah. versus when kids are like toddlers, like because you can't inherently just be very aggressive about being Mm-mm. like, no, you can't play with those kids. And this is why. But as you, you know, your kids grow to want that approval and that acceptance and that love and to understand a little bit mm-hmm. more of those family dynamics you get to steer their behavior a little bit more instead yeah. of it just being you just drop kids off at the playground and they make friends with whoever else is at the playground right. at the time. and like i don't feel like that was the case like i don't feel like my parents ever tried to influence who you know i'm not saying that it's intentional but also no. you are under their influence a lot because right. think about the activities that you did oh in the area that you 100 that's what i was about to say mm-hmm. the very few black people that we had in my school mm-hmm. um you know once it came to like middle school and stuff like they we just separated Mm -hmm. and so all the black kids would hang out together Mm -hmm. and they didn't really interact with any of the white kids Mm -hmm. or vice versa like Mm -hmm. i felt i didn't feel like i could just go over to the group of black kids and be like hey what's up and hang out with them Mm -hmm. um i i felt very intimidated by it Mm mm-hmm and so we just didn't have that. But what was your social life like growing up? And I mean, you know, we moved around a lot. So oh, that's true. we moved around a ton. I went to a different school every year. Um, there were two years before high school that I went to two different schools. And then high school was the first time I was at one school for more than a year consecutively. Sheesh. So I went to one high school for all four years, but every other school that I had been to, mm-hmm. it was one or more schools a year. No wonder you so around a lot. Good at picking up new friends. You had to be right. And it wasn't really like a, a thing, you know, I would just bond with who I bonded with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it would just come down to probably I see a need in somebody or complimenting somebody mm-hmm. or I was really, you know, I'm really funny and like outgoing and people are just drawn to that. I've never, ever, ever until I swear to God, it's like I turned 28 and then I was just like, I don't know how to make friends anymore. But <laughs> um, hashtag you know, adult friendships but, are hard. Right, like adult <laughs> friendships. Like if I was like 10 years old, like I got this shit, like right? whatever, like don't you worry about me. 
But that's also, you know, we're also not just dropped off where we're in like a tank, you know, like an entire building with people that are our peers anymore. You know, like now Mm -mm. it's you're in a job and there's not a whole lot of staff members and there's going to be so many different people from so many different walks of life. And then we think about politics and we think about, you know, our values and the way that we're drawn to other people aside from just all the different things that can separate us instead of it just being like, we're just a whole bunch of kids here having a similar experience through that. And then we bond through that. And then, you know, we come together because of the things that we're similar about. And then we learn the differences along the way and I think that we carry a lot of that into adulthood and Mm. don't realize that that's what we're looking for and that we're not going to find it because everybody's so different no that's that's 100% accurate like Mm -hmm. going into college um is really when my friend group started to be a little bit more diverse Mm -hmm. and that's a lot of it had to do with all the different activities I did Mm -hmm. and groups that I was a part of yeah right so like in my sorority yes I was a sorority girl not that type of sorority girl just we'll talk about it so like they were all we had all different races there Mm -hmm. and so I'm having to interact with all these different people Mm -hmm. and now uh forming connections through that Mm -hmm. uh so I mean that that was the first time that really I started to expand back into that Mm -hmm. as uh as a uh (laughs) a developing adult right so I don't know it uh it's that culture right right so growing up um meeting with all these different people it was just all of us just being in that way so I wasn't really drawn to one group of people Mm -hmm. a lot of the areas that we lived in were very rural areas Mm. so there wouldn't be as many black people I gotcha and you know y'all know how it is like with other black people if you are a black person you're either gonna click or clash and that was you know my experience for the most part was if there were very few of us most of the time like we would all get to be friends and we were friends with everybody including each other and then there would be other other times where we you know they didn't like the way that I interacted with the other white mm. people and the way that I sounded and the way that I spoke um in Alabama it got to be very different it got mm. to be a lot more like materialistic I don't want to say that I was bullied but there was a bitch that <laughs> <laughs> um it was a group of black girls in a pretty heavily like I would say like it was maybe like 70 30 like white black mm-hmm. um and you know, we all rode the bus and it wasn't like a school bus. Like we all rode the city bus (laughs) two hours, you know, from our different apartment complexes Mm -hmm. and like around the mall. And then we would end up going to this middle school or whatever. And this particular girl, um, wasn't very smart. Mm. Um, I didn't think that she was very nice, but you know, she, she lived in an apartment just like I lived in an apartment. I'm under the impression that her mom was a single mom, just like I was a single mom. She was a black girl. I was a black girl. Mm -hmm. Her clothes were very different than the clothes that I wore because it was a lot of name brand stuff. That's never been something that I valued very Mm -hmm. much. Now, if maybe both of my parents were together my entire life, my dad is a label whore and really likes the latest and the greatest and the designer, everything. My mom's not that way. I take a lot after my mom because I'm more about what makes the most sense. What's the most cost effective? What is a good quality item that I can wash, wear, repeat that I can mix and match stuff with or whatever. So, you know, it was always, you know, clean stuff and cute stuff, I thought, but it wasn't always like, you know, what was hot at the time like fubu or nike or kuji or because that was real hot at the time 
or you know uh baby fat mm. i did i didn't like the style of the clothing so i didn't buy it you know like instead of going and getting air force ones i would just go and get like a 50 or 60 dollar pair of nikes and yeah I, I'm, i've always taken really really good care of my stuff so she would call me like poor and you know comment on you know how i wore a lot of the same stuff over and over again and i'm just like yeah but we've got food in the house and i'm doing well in my studies and i have a sibling and you know my mom's doing her best so it didn't make me feel great um but at the same time it didn't change she was such a cunt i I wonder where she is nowadays but she's probably got a whole bunch of kids her own and i hope that she's doing a better job with them than she was doing when she was a child so that they don't grow up to be assholes like her um but you know obviously that's something that was painful for me because i'm an adult now remembering that but it was painful it didn't feel good to have somebody commenting on those things but i'm just like shit i've always recognized the effort that my mom put into raising us and trying to make the dollar stretch shit like when you've got kids and you're a single mom trying to make it work you become resourceful and some things make sense to worry about and some things don't and i don't think that it makes sense to have your kids freaking blinged out and all this extra shit just for the appearance of it when we got to make sure that we got school supplies and food on the table and the lights are on or you're gonna outgrow it in fucking two weeks well i mean not at that but like i you're gonna i don't remember the last time i was probably like seventh grade i have not grown i've grown outward a lot but not upward a lot since then so i never grew up a lot right i tried so that was not a very comfortable thing um but at the same time you know like i would either just it was just a lot of things like that that i encountered Mm -hmm. and then the other girls would be nicer to me because those aren't things that they necessarily but they still had like the name brand stuff or maybe they had two parents in a household or you know they were more established and their parents had a different career choice you know a different career and Mm -hmm. were more affluent or established you know like my mom's was very young she did her best, you know, like whatever. I wasn't going to let that be something that impacted the way that I just responded in general. She was just a bitch and she was always hungry and I ha- could not stand her. She was just not a kind child. <laughs> and you know, she was hangry all the time. Hurt people hurt. Pe- I mean, she was a big girl too. You know, hurt people hurt people. So there's no telling what her home life was like. Mm-hmm. I just know the way that she used to treat me because yeah. of whatever was happening in her life. So that that is kind of representative of a lot of my experience with that it would either be like that one girl and there was always that there would be people in high school that would feel some type of way about the way that I spoke or the people that I hung out with or the music that I listened to or the way that I wanted to do my hair like I went through a phase where um I still like relaxed my hair Mm -hmm. (laughs) which would make it straight but it would still stay curly so I could put like setting lotion in my hair to make it kind of like wavy Mm -hmm. and but it would be kind of like crunchy but I wanted to wear it like that sometimes instead of having to style it a lot and some people would have an issue with the fact that I like to wear my hair I'm just like it's my hair like why do you care whatever but these would also be the girls who always look crazy because they couldn't completely pull their hair in a ponytail so it was flying all over the place and they Mm. look goofy you know what I mean I so got you. it was always some type of way that I was cast out by some groups of people and then there would be ways that I would be embraced by other people so I was usually always embraced by the white people that like me and sometimes white people would be like mm, don't really know how I feel about you until they know and then we were really mm. close so <laughs> hmm. yeah weird So for you, with those cultures coming together, do you feel like things have changed for you as far as your culture is concerned? Oh, 100%. How so? Um, So in having a relationship with you, uh, I 
am so much more aware mm-hmm. of different situations and perspectives and things of that sort. So, like, um, I, for instance, my therapist is, I specifically sought out a woman of color so that she could help me, uh, help provide me with a, with that perspective because I do not have that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that way, like, cause I just don't feel like if I had a white therapist that I would get the same result that I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they wouldn't understand or couldn't understand a lot of where you were coming from. Cause mm-hmm. a lot of the reason why I started therapy in the first place was to really better understand my feelings and stuff mm-hmm. and to be able to better communicate them with you mm-hmm. as well. So there was that, um, in my work environment, uh, I, part of, part of my job is as a corporate trainer. So mm-hmm. I do, um, classes, uh, every couple of weeks and in my classes, I, <laughs> um, you know, pick up on different people of color when they come in and you and I have discussed this before, how I can make them feel more welcome and Mm -hmm. uh, connected more quickly with me and trust me Mm -hmm. uh, because I want them to feel as comfortable as possible so that they can retain this information and feel like this is a good company that welcomes people from any and all backgrounds. Uh, So, we were rewriting a training manual that we use and um, there was a particular section about dress code and in there, all of the pictures that were provided or that, um, you know, the, my national training group had provided to me were all of white people. So I had to like specifically ask, Hey, do you have any uh, pictures of the professional guidelines of with people of color? Because if I were a person of color and I came into this company and I looked through this manual and I didn't see anything that represented me mm-hmm. or mirrored me, mm-hmm. I would feel some type of way about it and be like, oh, well, just we're another... back in the sunken place. Yeah. <laughs> the sunken place. Yeah. Just <laughs> here's another rich white dude who's telling everybody what to do. And there's, you know, nobody of, of color in leadership or anything. Mm-hmm. My opinion doesn't matter. I don't matter. Mm-hmm. And so I try to make sure that that there's always some sort of visual representation of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I am constantly trying to be an ally for people of color in my workplace and like what do you you were talking to me a little while ago about like language so tell me a little bit about the language that you use so like before you and I got together Mm -hmm. um I would be required to send some feedback on each person and stuff Mm -hmm. and uh we're in a sales environment, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times salespeople can be deemed as aggressive mm-hmm. or assertive or domineering and all these, you know, mm-hmm. negative connotations. Well, I realized that I was still using that terminology sometimes with people of color. Mm-hmm. And especially with like black people, if I if I now I I never ever write in my my feedback about these new people I never write the word aggressive mm-hmm. or that a black woman has an attitude mm-hmm. or um, or anything like that because that 
I feel it is never, ever, 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 ever positive when a person, I would even say people of color and people that are not of color use those terms to describe black women. It's yeah. always got like an air of negativity. 100%. So having to, first of all, be aware that I was using it mm-hmm. and to be like, oh, that was fucked up. Like, don't do that. Mm-hmm. And then be like, okay, how do I replace it? So now, um, for instance, there, there's one particular person that I can think of um, who's a black woman that mm-hmm. I was, uh, who, if you said the wrong thing or spoke to her in the wrong tone or the wrong way, which can happen, mm-hmm. she will shut down and immediately become dismissive and just not respond any longer. Mm-hmm. Because she felt disrespected. Mm -hmm. And so having to describe that in the feedback was she is sensitive to certain tones. Mm -hmm. You need to make sure that you always keep a respectful tone with her. Mm -hmm. It needs to be constructive criticism. And she is very opinionated and will tell you exactly how she feels about anything and everything. Mm -hmm. And those aren't bad things. Mm -hmm. Like, why do y'all have to always be deemed as an angry black woman when you're just stating your opinion and Mm -hmm. if i i said the same thing that you said in the same tone Mm -hmm. i received completely differently 100 percent. and even like as a woman it's perceived differently if a man does the same thing and i say the same thing we're both white people right Mm -hmm. i'm the i could be deemed as a bitch or pushy or bossy Mm -hmm. or however you want to see it Mm -hmm. and then you say the same thing and you're perceived as an angry bitch Mm -hmm. (laughs) or just just a bitch an aggressive bitch whatever like it's always got and you're right like it's totally different the even like the meaning behind the bitch is different when you're addressing a white woman versus a black woman yeah and i love the fact that you understood that and that you took corrective measures to do that that's good allyship because like it's not always easy to get people that are on your side that have that awareness even if it's somebody that's trying to do something it just comes across in this way the uh last one of the last bosses that i had or whatever would talk about oh well i know tiffany walls can be um aggressive or she can be overbearing is the word that he used and this was even about a per and i was just like i'm not overbearing like i'm just direct like you can take the information leave the information do with it what you please but i'm not gonna back down from doing anything but i'm not overbearing about it i'm going to be honest I'm going to be direct and I'm going to stand, but you know, I'm going to stick with my convictions about something, but I wouldn't say that I was over, I've never done anything to, and this could just be because again, like maybe he didn't have the right word. And that was just the one that felt that came to him the fastest or whatever, but overbearing wasn't the appropriate word to use. And yet it was the one that he deemed appropriate for the context. And even to feel comfortable coming back to me to repeat it. Like, right. yeah, overbearing is the right word. And I'm just like, uh, no. Right. And this was a white person. Right. And then it it goes back into, like, every single person of color that comes through my class. I'm like, look, we need more people of color in our leadership. Um, like, I want that for you. If you want it, I will help you get there. Mm-hmm. Let me help you. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, and we just don't have the representation that's there and we don't have the awareness that's there. Because mm-hmm. if you look at our leadership uh, nationally, it's white man, white man, it, white yeah, man, it's white primarily man, white. Man. white. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a sprinkle of color in there every now and then. But 
A little yeah. chocolate chip, a little chocolate drop, as I like to call it. Yeah, or, or you know, sprinkle. like you said earlier, a little tahini. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's that's, that's really that's it. it. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It's it's I wasn't fully aware of that until mm-hmm. you and I got together. Like you have provided me with such great perspective so that I can be a better ally. Because I can never try to have the same experience that you have and mm-hmm. speak from your experience because it's not my own and yeah. it's not my place yeah i can however be on your side mm-hmm. and stand with you allyship and that's my <laughs> goal like i in my head i was joking because i like the word that that kept coming into my mind was that ever since i got into a relationship with you like i've become more woke mm-hmm. and i it's so cringy like i feel like anytime i so say just say aware right no 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 but yeah i'm about as woke as like an old white lady can be that's i mean that's mm-hmm. how i feel about it like but i feel just, like just aware sensitive i got gotcha. you so that's i mean and i'm that's reactive and proactive i mean Thank we can you. find no like, there's the there's there's lots there's lots but like that's the terminology that's been consistently used yeah uh, across all media platforms lately so. one of my favorite things that you said about this topic was about black women in their hair oh. and how if you have somebody that's in a class with you and if it's raining that you will always make sure that there's umbrellas there because yeah i've got like five extra umbrellas just hanging out because mm-hmm. uh, because because of you mm-hmm. and in my car i always keep an umbrella for you mm-hmm. in case it's raining because you take such time to straighten your hair <laughs> and then you go outside and if it rains it just goes back and all of that hard work <laughs> is for nothing and uh so <laughs> so i always like i always offer it to him i'm like oh you need an umbrella mm-hmm. even like and my training facility and the place where they stay is literally across the parking lot sometimes mm-hmm. so uh, but just that, like, I, I've noticed that I am able to connect more with people of color a lot more quickly uh, now than even when we first started dating or even a year into our marriage. Like, I feel like I'm a much better ally now than I was then. Yeah. And I definitely am a much better ally than I was before we met. Oh, yeah. Before we met, I didn't know shit. And that's okay. You know, and then I think that that's also a really important distinction as well is that, you know, ignorance is just like an absence of knowledge. Yeah. You know, and you can elect to just kind of bask in that ignorance and be blissful in that and just (laughs) be like, okay, well, I don't know. I don't want to know. It's not for me. I don't give a shit. It's not important, whatever. And then you go on about your white life and call it a day. Yeah. Or, you know, you can learn and take the time to educate and find those people that can be resources to you and ask questions. Yeah. And then it can help to shape your behavior and change your behavior. Yeah. And then people can you know, they'll respond to you differently. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully you can also be an example to other people as yeah. well. So it's like advocacy and then teaching through that advocacy yes. at the same time. Yes. And going back to the hair topic for a second, uh, I don't know why white women just want to touch black women's hair, mm-hmm. but y'all don't, don't do that. Uh, that's one thing that I've learned. Somebody will punch my, you dead my, in the face. Please my mom uh, was trying to connect with Tiffany and be real sweet about something about one of her coworkers who had, who was a black woman. And she said she had the prettiest hair and she just wanted to touch it. And I had to be like, mom, don't do that. Don't think <laughs> don't it. You don't do it. Lady. You can don't tell her how pretty it is. But did, I mean, you could just don't, don't, just don't. Don't you touch that lady. Just don't. Don't you touch that woman. Just don't. Don't you touch it. 
Don't do it. Don't you touch it. So you can like Google even auditory descriptions of how African American <laughs> hair feels, and then listen to an audiobook about it. See, don't you touch that lady. Watch a video, <laughs> uh, and like I don't. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is with that. I don't know if it's... I, I don't know. She's so sweet. Oh, speaking of your parents. So when we were cleaning out the basement. Oh, Lord. And oh. when we went back, like, to go and see my father-in-law. Again, y'all y'all know how much I love my in-laws. They are very, very, very sweet. Very, very, very kind people. They are old white people. Mm-hmm. And I think that they have done a really, really good job with being sensitive and being appropriate and, you know, embracing... I don't ever feel like cast out or separated or marginalized or like a commodity or like a toy or like there. I have a black person question. Like, honestly, my mother-in-law is usually too terrified to ask a question for fear of offending me, even though I'm just like, if you have a question, you I'm giving you permission. Like, if you have a question, please ask me those questions. And if I can help or find somebody that can help, I will do that so that you can have, you know, because like I said, you can be ignorant and just not know and yeah. then not know the appropriate way to respond or you can ask somebody that you trust yeah and in this case like i am happy to be the person that you tr- but she does she has, she just doesn't want to offend you she She's does so not want to hurt my feelings yeah. i love her so much like it would not hurt my feelings no but meanwhile my dad just like spits it out he's like so and even black him, people he doesn't even ask that much like but he says like dumb shit and a lot of the time it's really funny he'll oh, be like so when white people blush they turn red what color do black people turn <laughs> <laughs> and i I was like well i guess that would depend on like their skin tone and you know how much it would show because like i'm i'm sure that like i would probably blush but you wouldn't be able to tell i would just maybe get sweaty and hot or start to fan myself in my right. ears whereas if i was more fair-skinned you know i would actually mm. be red but he can't see his damn hand in front of his face sometimes so i can see how he might not know the answer to that question so right. it's not like inherently like terrible awful racist hateful things that he no. says it's just curiosity because they don't know no they don't have a lot of exposure um but when we were there we were going through old photo albums so i got to see lots of cute little like baby allison pictures and it was the (sighs) fucking cutest i took some pictures Uh and also allison brought me out one of it was your it was mom's yearbook they it's both of theirs they shared a yearbook they're so cute well yeah so they uh they graduated in 19 high school in 1965 so it was their senior yearbook so they have a yearbook. So I'm going through the yearbook and I'm looking at like a picture of my mother-in-law that does not look like my mother-in-law at all. And no. I'm looking at this picture of my father-in-law that I swear every picture I've ever, I've seen a couple baby pictures of him and he was a really cute kid. He was. If ever you have seen Allison's ears, his ears stick out more than hers do. But he is so cute. I love him so much. He is adorable, even with his little fuzzy face and he's mm-hmm. like bald and like i love him i think that he is the cutest but like he was so handsome when he was younger it mm-hmm. is like kind of ridiculous um i saw like a tiktok of this girl that was going through her grandparents something and huh. she was like oh damn like i know why everybody was always in love with everybody all these men were hot from back in the day and it was like lay your head on my <laughs> shoulder while she was flipping through it was really cute so like kind of like that vibe very very cute um very gee willikers guys we're gonna go down to the shake shack and get some milkshakes yeah (laughs) like like that right so he was super handsome so it's like black and white and also just like it made me feel very weird to be looking at a yearbook with hundreds of white 
kids and no black children because this was pre-integration yeah i think i that or like they they were starting to and there might have been like one or two in like the junior high yeah but, it wasn't no black people uh-uh, in this group, but, but i didn't even but the bad part is i didn't notice see and like i'm like looking through you know like i look at the picture of my mother-in-law and then we find another one of her like senior superlatives and it was cute and then we'd see my father-in-law i'm like oh my god he's so handsome like i've got the picture like Mm -hmm. on my phone i was like i cannot with how cute this picture is um because it is ridiculous i have never in my life um so we're going through and then i just flip through because i'm just curious anytime i have a yearbook i flip through my mom's yearbook and all you know any yearbook i could Mm -hmm. ever find it's just interesting to me to get a feel for what it was like in that yeah. time and it was just white person white person white person um cat williams white 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 <laughs> turn to pay white 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 and i was like oh <laughs> and it didn't make me it was just interesting that it was the not so distant past yeah that it was you're interacting that with way. people that that was the norm and i was like okay this is making my heart feel a little bit funny so i think i'm done with this now mm. um but it was just weird to see like i've no. never held anything i've seen it on tv before mm. you know where it's a portrayal of that it's a reenactment of that you know you know that things like that exist but to hold something like that in your hands yeah was a really interesting cathartic experience yeah i can imagine so because like during this time uh this exact time was when integration started happening mm-hmm. um in alabama and so George C. Wallace gave his famous or infamous speech, you know, segregation now, segregation forever. Uh, and <laughs> Go Rebels. Oh, Roll Tide. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, it was, it was at the University of Alabama, so. Claro. Uh, but, like, even, and I've had conversations with my mom about this. Uh, they, their college that they went to, they did not attend the University of Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, but their college didn't integrate until they were in college. So mm-hmm. it integrated while they were there. And I asked her about their, their experience with that. And she was like, I don't really know. They kind of did it over the summer semester. So there wasn't a whole lot of hoopla about it. And then they were just there. And weren't that many of them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. Oh, okay. Because I had expected it to be, you know, because it was Alabama. More eventful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I expected there to be more things that happened or, uh, I don't, or more blowouts. Things right? weren't so eventful uh, just a few miles north of Montgomery, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just really interesting so i don't Mm -hmm. know i mean it might feel like a little bit of overkill for some people and that's fine if it's not for you like the race talk you can skip whatever um but it's our life it's our experience and it's something that is still super relevant i mean look at our political climate it just it's relevant and it's relevant in all of these not just political culture but in all of our respective cultures and in subcultures and it's something that still impacts the way that we interact with each other and how people interact with us, how they view us. Um, you know, like I said, Allison, I always tell her, use me as an example so that people can 
especially people of color, can feel a connection to you yeah. because I can see how that could be devoid. Everybody does not trust white people. Mm-mm. Look at all these people that were on that Instagram post talking about, oh, hell no. White people can't, you know, love you or be there for you or be there to support you. White people will never change. White people can't be trusted. Da, 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 da. I mean, and they're not wrong because Donald Trump's our president. But <clears throat> uh, I mean, I mean, he's not my president. Me personally. President of the United States. We will call him number 45. We do not need to be using that type of language on this podcast. My bad. So, I mean, I can... I don't know. I can understand that. Uh, And you're absolutely right. Being with you has helped me become more aware, not only for black people, but all people of color, uh, religions, races, like, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So, like, for instance, when I have a particular person in class who is... um, practices islam Mm -hmm. then you know i know they don't eat pork and so i make sure that when we do i because i order catering for everything when we do have those meals i specifically point out hey i made sure not to do this uh because you mentioned this or Or, even with vegan food yeah or (laughs) and even yeah just dietary restrictions in general like it's it before I would just be like, "Oh, you're a vegetarian," or "Oh, or oh, you're vegan." It's uh, a salad for you. Turtle. I was about to say, if you're a vegetarian, I got you a salad. If you're vegan, well, um, I didn't order you anything because it was going to be too complicated. So uh, you can just go get whatever you want. <laughs> and now we can be like, "Oh, actually, there's a Thai place that's down the street that offers a lot of vegan options. If that's something that you would be interested right. in, we can give you some options ahead of time, right. so that we can make special accommodations for that." Exactly. Yeah. So I let them know, and I give them a list of um, places that I know where you can get vegan options mm-hmm. before they come to class. You're welcome. And uh, <laughs> shit, as much research as I've had to do to mm-hmm. know which restaurant we can go to, right? Uh, and like just simple things like that means so much to people. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that before. Mm-hmm. And so immediately, because we have that human connection and I'm like, Hey, I know this is important to you. So mm-hmm. I made sure to do this. They're instantly so much like it, the, <laughs> the connection's already there, mm-hmm. uh, without me even having to try Mm -hmm. just because we're connecting on a human level Mm -hmm. so i know what's important to them i want to make sure that i show that so that they know that they're important not just another number yeah i don't know i just want to be kind to (laughs) to people when they're kind to me or express that and i just i don't know i i want to be the best ally i can in whatever capacity that it may be Ooh, speaking of allyship so The other day, (laughs) there was a really interesting post on Instagram. And y'all know how I feel about Instagram. You hate it, right? I love Instagram, honestly. (laughs) I think that Instagram is fantastic. Um, I'm trying to find the post, but it was in regards to um, our trans brothers and sisters, right? Mm. Let me find it. Okay. So this was another Instagram post that I saw from a queer account that I followed that I really, really like. And them posting this was just to bring awareness to the fact like it's not them promoting this particular thing. But um, a cishet person, and if you are a straight person listening to this, that's a cisgendered heterosexual person. So that's somebody that is identifying with the sex that they were assigned at birth and they identify as heterosexual. And this person's name is Olivia, apparently. So their work says this. Cisgender. This is your term for me. Your stereotype. Your aggression. When you've been called it all. Fag, queer, whatever. 
Well, now I speak. I am not gay. I am not bi. I am not a man or unsure. I am not your words. I am not cisgender. I am a woman. I love a man, but that doesn't matter because my name is Olivia. Like I can always take it seriously until she's like, because my name is Olivia. But also. Oh, that was the whole thing? (laughs) Yeah. Somebody said, you know, like they reposted this and it looks like it was maybe on um, Tumblr and it says, I'm crying. Cis people are out here writing emo poetry now. How about cisgender? About how cisgender is a slur. So I just wanted to make sure that if you are a cisgender person or a heterosexual person or a cisgender heterosexual person, that you understand that that's not a slur. Uh -uh. Um, Cis is not a slur. It's not a euphemism. It's not a derogatory term. It just means that you identify with the gender that you were assigned at birth. So when your parents had a cringy ass gender reveal party to celebrate your genitalia, yes, it's disgusting. Um, You were like, yup, feels like me. No crippling dysphoria here. And dysphoria is when your mind and body just do not connect. You are not feeling euphoric in that something is disconnected about that for people that may identify as trans gender non-conforming non-binary etc you know i'm sure that there are probably more terms to more accurately describe the way that people feel your body doesn't match what your head sees or there's a part of your body that makes you feel really adverse to the way that it looks. So some people, even though they, you know, they, like you said, they might see themselves and the way that their body would feel the most comfortable would be if they didn't have breasts or if their genitalia matched, you know, if if it was different or if they did have breasts or, you know, people could feel dysphoric about their voices. If it sounds too feminine, if it sounds too masculine, Um, it can be a lot of different things that can cause that for people their fat distribution, um, the way that their hips are set, uh, the way that their muscles show through their bodies. It can be so many different things that Mm. can trigger feelings of dysphoria. And I recognize my privilege in the fact that, you know, when I came out, I had a split. (laughs) That split has never caused me any grief. I got boobs later. My boobs have never caused me to, I mean, like physical discomfort. Yes, from my back because they are large, (laughs) but you know, I've never felt like I don't want them to be here. I've always really, really liked my boobs and Mm. you know, my genitals feel like they're supposed to be there and that they look the way that I want them to look and that pleasure feels the way that it should in relation to my anatomy. So I recognize that that is a privilege to just be like, yep, I came into this world. This is what I look like. And I'm fine with that. And to not constantly be like somebody else has assigned me this label. This is the way that I present. This is the way that I move in society. But it has nothing to do with the way that I feel in my brain. So I completely need to just address the fact that that's a privilege Mm. to be able to identify that way and to feel euphoria just in the way that I already present. Now, we can talk about like other things that go along with, you know, I'm not talking about like wanting to lose 15 pounds or not liking, you know, your kneecaps or anything like that. But I'm talking about just inherently like as it relates to gender. (laughs) We got our knees done. Remember in white chicks, you can do that. You can do that. (laughs) 
Um, so I think that that's really, really important because like, I like my body and my genitals and my boobies. And those are things that make me feel really good. And I really hope that y'all are not really like out here being like the gays hate us. Now, I will say that if queer people are talking about the straights, we're probably being ugly. Um, <laughs> and a little bit passive throwing, aggressive, throwing a little shade, throwing being a little shady. We've been a little shady boots, but you know it's not anything Mm-mm. to be. It's not derogatory. We're just talking no. about straight people, and it probably is exclusive language that we're playfully using because you know it's a funny thing to talk about amongst ourselves. But I don't want ever want anybody to see the word cis and feel offended by that. So just in case you didn't know or you didn't know who the right person to ask was, let your mama honey be tell you like cisgender is not a bad word it's not a dirty word it's not a word that's meant to hurt or to separate or anything like that it just is something especially when that's not the way that you identify it's just another term to another term to what am I trying to say another term to define another term to describe um it's it's not an ugly dirty word and nobody is trying to hurt your feelings if they use cis cishet cisgender cisgender heterosexual Mm -hmm. or any combination thereof thanks for coming to my tiff talk so (laughs) i just felt like we needed to yeah put that out there yeah and that's another thing that we've talked about before that i'm working on uh also in my my classes um i've added to like our little name tags that um each person puts their pronouns Mm -hmm. and uh a lot of the time i haven't had anybody put a pronoun um that that uh i wasn't expecting Mm -hmm. or uh or anything like that and so a lot of the times i'm having to explain mm-hmm. why or what mm-hmm. and by doing that already like it helps education yeah it helps with that education mm-hmm. to begin with and i explain the why behind doing that mm-hmm. because i uh want the company that <clears throat> i work for to be so inclusive and mm-hmm. to be a safe place mm-hmm. um and especially in alabama because you can be terminated literally for any reason Mm -hmm. but especially for being a part of the queer community Mm -hmm. so but um, not with this particular company which is why she's so like no 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 it's safe come out we're fine we want to embrace you and to affirm you and for you to feel comfortable however it is that you come in and the people that don't know are willing and open to learning yes we've had all types of members of our community work uh that i've worked with and it's Mm -hmm. been absolutely fantastic that's one thing that i do really love about Mm -hmm. our company so uh, but that's another way that you've helped me with that because mm-hmm. you were like, well, why don't, cause I said, Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about doing this, but I don't know. And you were like, do it. And you know, the first time I felt a little awkward about it, trying to explain it to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after that, I was like, shit, I'm being, a, I'm, I'm being a good ally yeah. <laughs> and having to remind myself that by just simply explaining Mm -hmm. like you said it's educating those people so that we can all be better humans and maybe it's something that they'll type in they'll be like what the hell is this but even in that what the hell is this they might put a note in their phone later they might go to google and they could learn that and that might take them back to somebody Mm -hmm. that's in their life or it's something that'll come back to the forefront of their mind when they 
when they encounter somebody in the real world that is that way so then they'll understand mm-hmm. a little bit more about that. and i haven't had anybody respond negatively yet mm-hmm. uh, they better not but that being said you know if if i encountered that then i can be better prepared mm-hmm. and can not allow that person to continue forward to disrupt our safe yes. safe space so uh i I hope that that one person on reddit that sent us that message Mm. is listening to this particular episode yeah Um, uh we're we're trying mm -hmm. we're trying shout out to you and to your spouse Mm. and that's all that i'm gonna say about that Mm -hmm. um but yeah that's it i mean like we love everybody like i've never i don't i i I literally i love everybody i don't care well okay i'll say this like everybody is dumb And I don't think that anybody is worse than anybody else. Like, I think Mm. we're all the same level of dumb. And I don't care, you know, like, it's not going to make me think that you're more dumb if you're black or if you're white or if you're trans or if you're cis or if you're straight. Um, We all have equal opportunity to be dumb. That's that's what I'm saying. So I I love everybody. (laughs) We're all going to be dumb. Like it is what it is. Um, But I definitely just want to reiterate that this is like an all inclusive space. We love everybody. We're not TERFs, um, (laughs) you know, that want to exclude anybody else. You know, like this is a safe space for everybody. Like I love you and want to hear about your story and Mm want to support you just like I would with anybody else. Like, and I'm not one of those people who's going to be like, well, I don't see the difference. I'm just like, no, I absolutely see that difference. I absolutely want to have a conversation with you to the extent that you're comfortable having a conversation with me so that I can affirm you. Yeah. And then so that you can bring something else to light for me that maybe I haven't thought of before so that I can be a better ally. And so that if there are opportunities to educate other people, people that may not have that interaction right. with you that maybe I can help them in their journey as well right right it uh and y'all white people don't don't say well I don't see color I made that mistake uh being you have to once once again ignorant you have to. um it's it's <clears throat> there it, we're, we we all see it it's it is what it is you can acknowledge it it is okay mm-hmm. uh just like when someone tells you comes out to you and tells you that maybe they're gay or they're I a lesbian i don't care that's it's, not the no, right thing to say it's your the the one i'm getting at is it's uh, it's your i don't care about your choices mm-hmm. on who you love mm-hmm. and i was like mm. or your choice on your sexual preference i was like it's so not what a choice about instead of that you just say thank you so much for sharing that with me right that's oh, that's beautiful Thank you for sharing that with me. The same way that your default doesn't have to be, I'm so sorry, or how do you fix something? Thank you so yeah. much for sharing that with me. I'm so glad you felt comfortable enough to share that with me. Th- right. That's, just, that's been my default. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. And then that lets that person know, you know, like that's a signal to them. It's safe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe that'll open up the conversation, you know, open up the door to have a further conversation for that, if that's right. where it goes or whatever. But like this, I don't care. I don't see it. Dismissive bullshit. It comes across as very dismissive. It's disrespectful. Um, it's invalidating. And we, we just need to change that language a little bit because yeah. I understand that your heart may be in the right place, but it's a really... Um, 
inappropriate way to respond when somebody shares that type of yeah. information with and you. And as a white person who has literally said that before, mm-hmm. uh, I know that that can be your default because you're trying to make it seem like, you know... It's not that, a big deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or, mm-hmm. or like, we're the same and that's the goal. No, But it not. doesn't... That's not how it comes across. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, I know that we're trying to be kind, but it doesn't, it doesn't always work out that way. Mm-hmm. So let's just think about the way that we respond to things of that nature Mm -hmm. so that we can be better allies uh and realize our privilege of being a white person in this world and little aside when i just said no you're not i just mean like we're all different everybody has their own differences so just respecting where somebody else is and not feeling like you have to insert yourself Mm -mm. in it somehow just respect that autonomy i guess is what i'm trying to say just respect the fact that they as a person are sharing information with you just give it some acknowledgement and make it a positive and brief interaction and if they decide to make that go longer or if that's a conversation that you both decide you know to extend and you know expend upon then do that but don't just make it oh i don't we're gonna stop saying i don't care it's not a big deal oh we're the same um I have. I, why I don't does it see, matter? Why does it matter? I have a gay cousin. My brother's gay. My sister-in-law is black. You know, we're just going to thank you so much for saying those things because you're likely going to be having more interactions with this person. And then you can get into, you know, how you came to know other queer people or other, you know. How you relate. Right. How yeah. you relate. Perfect. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. I always enjoy these talks, babe. Like, uh, I would, you know, it always, being in a relationship with you has made me so much more aware. And I really appreciate you allowing me to ask those questions that I'm like, so wait, how, but how does your hair work? Like, (laughs) and I'll be like, come here, touch my scalp. Do you see the way that it feels right now? You better not say this shit to nobody, but I can be like, ooh, girl, this nappy. And then you know what nappy feel like. What what a black woman is talking about when <laughs> but she say this shit nappy. Yeah, but I will never... Another thing for white people to never say, you're welcome. So right. uh, I just... Do we just need to have an hour-long episode about shit that white people should not say? Yes. So, <laughs> uh, But I, I just wanted to say thank you because yeah. you've helped me, I feel like, become a, a better human and just a interact with people in a in a better manner in a more respectful way so i am so appreciative of you and am glad that you've had the patience with me to do that i love you so much and you you are like the sweetest most supportive freaking human and i swear like if i'm falling apart i know that you're like running over with your little tiny outstretched (laughs) arms with like a broom and a dustpan wide open open. you know the two feet that i have to open them (laughs) with super glue so that you can come and help you're so sweet and i'm so 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 grateful for you yeah i'm grateful for you on the good days and especially grateful for your patience on the hard days and i just could not have chosen better if Mm. i tried and I love you very much. I love you. The little Asian lady told us both we were lucky today. It worked out. Yeah, she did. It was great. It's precious. So, you guys, um, we're about to go cry. <clears throat> so, 
<laughs> Make sure that you guys follow us on social media. Yep. You can follow us on Instagram at sweetesthoney.love. That is also our website, sweetesthoney.love. You can email us at info at sweetesthoney.love. And uh, that is essentially it as far as communication. You can DM mm. us. Do not forget to rate. How many stars, babe? Oh, five. Five stars. And then don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And would you please also share it with a friend, share it with your trans friends, share it with your cis friends, share it with your heterosexual friends, share it with your queer friends, share White it friends, with your pretend friends, 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 share it with your friends from the sitcom friends, your friends, share friends. It, moms who wear jeans to match their teens jeans, <laughs> um, share it with your girlfriend, share it with your boyfriend, share it with your in-between friends, share it with your fake friends, your friends share it with your real friends share it with your friends with benefits (laughs) share it with your friends without benefits and then all of y'all leave a damn review all y'all do it i know that that we do not have enough reviews for the amount of y'all that listen oh through apple Podcasts. also uh where can they buy some kick-ass t-shirts oh yes absolutely our merch 100 percent um we should have led with that you can click the link in our bio again that's sweetesthoney.love on instagram um and there's a link in that bio you can also just go to sweetesthoney.love and there is a merch button on the bottom right side of that home page just click it it'll take you right to where you need to be yeah and my little babe will package up your shirt and ship it right out to you and i will write you a thank you card She's a cute little worker And there might be like tear stains on it because I swear I cry every time I get an order. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Who did we get the last order from? I heard um, their name is Lessie. I I, I don't know you, but thank you so much. I'm not sure that I've seen your name before, but I was was like, I don't know when she got. I know. She she literally was doing that, running around the house, gathering all of the stuff to ship off. And Lessie, if you're listening to this right now, just so you know, on that Saturday, I woke up at like 1030. Our post office closes at 11 a.m. And I woke up and said, oh, shit. And then I ran and put on clothes and a hat and then ran to the post office. That's literally the first thing that she said. I was already awake, but I'd forgotten that she needed to go. And yeah. all I hear from the bedroom is, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> shuffle, 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 shuffle. Love you, babe. I got to go. Bye. <laughs> That's literally what happened. And then I got it out to you. So thank you so much. But thank you. Everybody else, buy some, buy some t-shirts, buy y'all. They're so, they're so, so soft. Yes. And, and then that way we know how many we need to buy, which is like seven for the next time <laughs> <laughs> we decide to do another shirt because I have some more designs in mind. Yeah. So yeah, you guys, we love y'all. Thank you so much for your support. Um, it's like we love each and every one of you for all of your support, mm-hmm. and especially if you are putting some coin behind that support. Oh my gosh! Like the least that I could do is write you a thank oh you card God. and cry, and like I would hug she you. She does every you time. Here. I do. Like it means so 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 much. So thank you guys. Okay, we're gonna stop talking your ear off. We love y'all, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.